I'm going to ask you to take your Bible and turn to Romans chapter 16. Romans chapter 16. We'll begin our study there this morning. And while you're turning there, just let me say that it's, a, it's an honor and a privilege to be here with you. It's, um, it's always humbling, more humbling than I think uh, people who, who don't get up here and preach understand. It's humbling that you guys would come and assemble and you would take the time to listen to me try to communicate God's word to you. Um, I am a broken vessel, just like any other man who tries to proclaim God's word. And it is an honor and a privilege, something that I don't take lightly, that you would consider the words that I have to share with you today, that you would invite me to come speak this morning. And I really very much appreciate that. And I pray that you'll consider the things we talk about with an open and an honest heart. Romans chapter 16, beginning in verse 16, the Bible says this, Greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. Now that's an interesting verse, especially because it's got that that holy kiss stuff going on. And don't worry, we're not going to deal with that this morning. And if we were, I wouldn't know what to do about it. But it is interesting because it mentions that phrase, all the churches of Christ greet you. And I think that's a good jump start to a discussion that I think we need to have this morning. Back in 2018, me and my wife flew to Florida to interview with elders of the Temple Terrace Church of Christ, where I work and worship now. And when I got there, when we pulled into the building, one of the first things I noticed was their sign. The Temple Terrace Church of Christ. I'm not going to lie with lie to you. I really like our sign. It's an awesome sign. I took this picture a few months ago, and I realized I forgot to pick up that trash before I took the picture. So just ignore that. Pretend like that's not there. But I really like that sign. You know, not every church does a church sign right. Some churches have signs that have way too much information on them, right? The, the, the information's everywhere. There's colors and fonts and things all over the place. And it's just, it's a big old mess. And like people get in wrecks driving down the highway because there's so much going on. And that's not good. And some churches have those old school signs where you can open up the front and then put the little letters in and write the messages and stuff. And I kind of like those. I think those are cool. But it can also go wrong in a lot of ways. Like somebody cannot clean it for a long time and then it kind of turns green and gets gross. Or somebody puts the message up there and then it's the same message for like the next 27,000 years. Or somebody misspells it and it ends up being really funny and then you become one of the churches that the internet makes fun of. And that's not a good thing either. And then some churches go the electronic route, which isn't bad, but I feel like usually is either super duper expensive or is not that expensive, but it's kind of childish and hokey. Have you seen signs like that? I like our sign, which actually is a lot like your sign out front. I actually talked this week about how much I like the sign that you guys have out front. It's simple. It's clean. It looks good. But most importantly, it tells you everything that you need to know about the group of people that worship here, doesn't it? We are the Temple Terrace Church of Christ. And here at this church, you are... A church of Christ. That's what it says out front. It's what it says on your sign. But can I ask you this morning, what does that really mean? 
When, uh, when we say down in Tampa, we are the Temple Terrace Church of Christ. When you say we are a church of Christ, what do you mean when you say that? What, what does that imply? What does that mean? I wonder how you would answer that question. If somebody asked you, if somebody asked you where you worshiped, and you answered, well, I worship at the Fairview Park Church of Christ. And they, they followed that up and they said, well, well, what does that mean? What's a church of Christ? What would you say? What does that mean? Y'all might make fun of me because I'm only 31. But I do believe that it's true. That 15, 20 years ago when I was like 10 or 15. A sermon like this with this title would have been the most boring, bland sermon that you ever heard in your entire life. Why? Because preachers talked about it all the time. We had classes about it. We did all kinds of stuff talking about why we have the name that we have, why we are a church of Christ. But we don't, we don't really do that very much anymore, at least not in my experience. And maybe because we don't talk about our name, maybe that leads to some confusion. Maybe that creates some misconceptions. Maybe we're sitting here today and we think, I don't really know why we have that name on our sign. And I don't really know what it means to be a part of a church of Christ. I have a friend named Benjamin Lee, and he always likes to talk about the danger of forgetting. And one of the things that he always says is there's this progression that tends to happen with groups of people, how they come from knowing something to forgetting something. He said the way things work in any kind of organization or church is you start with a spoken understanding, right? There is something we agree about and we talk about it and and we talk about it a lot. It is a spoken understanding. But what happens then? Because we all agree on it and because we all know it, what do we do? We stop talking about it. We don't need to, right? We we, We all know what we believe. We all agree on this. Why do we need to talk about it anymore? And so it becomes an unspoken understanding. But what happens when that persists for a little bit of time? Slowly, when you don't reinforce those truths, you don't get the reminders that you need, that unspoken understanding becomes an unspoken misunderstanding. And then before too long, that unspoken misunderstanding becomes a spoken misunderstanding. Could it be that that has happened when it comes to the name that we bear? I think there are a couple telltale signs that that is true. If you're paying attention, then you may have noticed these signs just like I have. And the first one is the one that we may not quite get it when we say we are a church of Christ. The first sign that we may not get that is that when you ask young people where they worship, when you ask them what it means to be a member of a church of Christ, you know what they feel? Maybe that's not true here. Maybe that's not true for your kids. But down in Tampa, I have access to a lot of college kids. You know what they feel when they have to tell other people they worship at a church of Christ? They're embarrassed. And instead of saying, I worship at a church of Christ, they opt to say things like, I worship at a non-denominational, undenominational. Or they say, you know, I worship at a Bible church. Or they'll say, you know, I worship at a church that just follows the Bible alone. They do everything they can to shy away from that name. Because they don't really understand what it means. And this is something else. And take this with a grain of salt because it's just my opinion. But I've also noticed that there are sound churches around the country. Sound, faithful churches that tend to drop that name off the sign. Have you noticed that too? 
This is going to get really awkward if you guys are like a month away from changing your signs. So like, don't, don't, don't tell me that's going to happen. And if you do, just don't invite me back. That way I don't have to deal with finding out. Let me be clear. I don't, I'm not saying that churches that do that are doing something sinful or something wrong. I think that's perfectly acceptable. It's within your judgment, your opinion, to change the name on your sign. But what it does show when a church, it seems that it shows when a church says, we're going to go from being the Fairview Park Church of Christ to, let's just say we're the Fairview Park Church. What we're doing is we're distancing ourselves from that name, a church of Christ. And the fact that we want to distance ourselves from that name, I think it might show that we don't quite understand what that name means. And so this morning, I think it's important that we take a few minutes to stop and address that question. What does it mean to be a church of Christ? To answer that question, we have to start by addressing what that does not mean. What it does not mean when we say we are a church of Christ. First of all, I want you to understand that that is not the name of our particular denomination. We have to understand that and we have to get that. And the truth is that sometimes, sometimes you hear people talk that way. Right? You ever heard somebody say something like this? Oh, he grew up church of Christ. You've heard that? Yes, lots of nods, right? And that's basically, what's that like? Well, it's basically saying, well, he grew up Baptist or he grew up Catholic or he grew up Methodist or he grew up Church of Christ. What we're saying, what we're implying when we say things like that is that this is just our particular brand of Christianity. This is just our particular denomination. That this is just, we're part of a collection of churches that have been brought together by men. I've been guilty of this. But sometimes we talk that way too, right? Oh, I'm a member of the good old COC. I'm a COCer. What impression does that leave? That this is some kind of denomination that we've joined ourselves to. Now, it's worth noting that in some places of the country, when some people look at that name, that's exactly how they treat it. There are people like that out there who look at the Church of Christ and say, that's our denomination. And then they go a step further than that and they say, and it's the, it's the only right denomination, right? That's a fundamental misunderstanding of what the church is all about and what it means to be a church of Christ. It is not the name of our denomination. And secondly, you need to understand that it does not mean that we've subscribed to some man-made creed. That is how it works in the denominational world. In order to bear the name of a particular sect, you have to submit to their creed or their statement of faith, right? Or you have to submit to the decisions that are made by their nationwide or region-wide conference that meets every year or so. But that's not what the name on the sign means. It doesn't mean that there's some creed that we avow that was made by man. There's no catechism that man wrote that we submit to And despite how we talk sometimes, right? You ever said something like this? Well, the church of Christ believes. What are we saying when we talk like that? Well, it sounds like we're saying there's some kind of catechism put together by man. There's some kind of creed, some kind of gathering of beliefs that we all have to believe in order to say we are a church of Christ. There is no worldwide, nationwide, regionwide, citywide conference of churches that tell us what to teach or what to believe. That is not what it means to be a church of Christ. So what does it mean when we use that name? What does it mean to be a church of Christ? 
The first thing I want you to recognize is that this name is descriptive. And that in the New Testament, when this name is used, it is never used as a title, really. But always as a description of a group of people. The name Church of Christ is not a title, it's not a brand, it's not an LLC, it's not a 501c, it's not, it's not some kind of organization in that sense. It is a description of what these people are. You look in Romans, Romans 16 and verse 16, and you'll see this is the only place, the only place in the entire Bible where it's phrased this way. He says again, greet one another with a holy kiss. All the churches of Christ greet you. That's the only place in the Bible where it's phrased that way. And I got to tell you, when I read that, that doesn't sound like he's giving them an official LLC title brand name, does it? That becomes more clear when you look at passages like this in Galatians 1 verse 22, where Paul says, I was still unknown by sight to the churches of Judea, which were in Christ. That's interesting, isn't it? He's not using it as a title there, is he? It's more of a description. And look at what it says. Look at what it says in 1 Thessalonians 2 and verse 14. He says, For you, brethren, became imitators of the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea. For you also endured the same sufferings at the hands of your own countrymen, even as they did from the Jews. So look again how he uses that name. These are the churches of God in Christ Jesus that are in Judea, which would be a lot to put on a sign. But again, it, it drives home that point. This is not some kind of brand name, not some kind of denominational title. When we say we are a church of Christ, we are not saying this is our title. We are saying this is who we are. It's a description of who we are and what we believe. And let's talk about that. Down in Florida, when we say we are the Temple Terrace Church of Christ, what are we saying about ourselves? Well, first and fundamentally, we are saying that we are a church. We are a church. And in the New Testament, that word church means an assembly or a gathering. And that's it. That's in, in the New Testament, that's all the word church ever means. All it means is, hey, here's a group of people. Here's a gathering of people. Here's a congregation of people that have been assembled together. That's all the word church really means. Look at the way it's used in Romans chapter 16. Romans 16 verse 1, he uses this to talk about different groups of people gathering in different places. Romans 16 1, I commend to you our sister Phoebe, who is a servant of the church, which is at Centria. Look at verse 5. Also greet the church that is in their house. Greet Eponidas, my beloved, who is the first convert of Christ from Asia. And look again at what it says in verse 23. Gaius, host to me, and to the whole church greets you. Erastus, the city treasurer, greets you, and Quartus, the brother. And so when the Bible uses the word church, that's all it ever means. Here is a group of people. There's a Texas preacher. Actually, it's funny. He's right on the board back there, Russ Bowman. When I was preparing to write this lesson, I listened to a sermon that he wrote about the church. And that I listened to a sermon he preached about the church. And he made, he, he's a Texas preacher, so he made the point that, you know what a church is? It's a herd, right? And that's exactly what you would expect a Texas preacher to say, that a, <laughs> that a church is a herd. And that's it. he said that's all, it's, that's all it really means. When you say this is a church, you're saying, hey, here's God's herd. It's God's group. They're just like a flock of sheep. They're just a group of people. It's not an LLC. It's not an organization. It's just a group 
of people. But we're not just a church, right? We are a church of Christ. And what does that mean? It simply means that we are His. That He is our Master. He is our King. And that we belong to Him. And so when we say we are a church of Christ, what are we saying about ourselves? In the simplest of terms, brothers and sisters, what we're saying is that we are a group. We are a gathering of people who belong to Christ. And that's it. And so let me say this. Let me say this with full confidence and without apology. That every church ought to be a church of Christ. Every church ought to be a group of people that belong to Jesus. That's what every church ought to be. That's what it means to be a church of Christ. But it's also important for us to recognize that this title, sorry, I don't know why I said that, that this name, see, it's just, it's in there, isn't it? This name comes with certain implications. It is a description that we must live up to. You know, we understand that when you give yourself a name, when you describe yourself in a certain way, that you don't just get to slap that label on yourself and say, that's what it is, right? If I said I am the fastest man on earth, right? If I slap that label on myself, well, that means that That means I have to beat everybody who wants to challenge me to a race on the track, right? I can't just say I'm the fastest guy on earth. I have to actually prove it. If you said I am the best cook on earth, I make the best cinnamon rolls in the world, well, we're going to have to have a competition because you can't just slap that label on yourself. And we understand that too when it comes to the name Christian, right? If I slap that label on myself, I said I'm a Christian, you understand that I don't just get to say I'm a Christian, right? That in order to actually be a Christian, you have to live up to that name. You have to become a Christian. There are some things that you have to do in order to rightly say you are a Christian. And so the same is true when it comes to our description. When I say, when we say, we are a church of Christ. That's a description we have to live up to. Not a name, not a label we can just slap on our church. And so that actually means three things. Let me give you three things before we're done. I got, I think, ten minutes to give you three things. I think I can do it. If we're going to say that we really are a church of Christ, then we need to make sure that we are a group of people who have actually been saved by Christ. That's what it means to be a church of Christ. That this group of people have been saved, have been rescued By our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Look at a couple of verses on that. Ephesians 1, verse 7. In him, we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of our trespasses, according to the riches of his grace. Look at what it says in Ephesians 2, verses 8 and 9. For by grace, you have been saved through faith. And that not of yourselves, it is the gift of God. Not as a result of works, so that no one may boast. Look at Colossians 1, verses 13 through 14. For he, tra- he rescued us from the domain of darkness and transferred us to the kingdom of his beloved son in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of our sins. 
And so understand that when we say we are a church of Christ, we are saying fundamentally, first and foremost, primarily, that we are a group of people that have been rescued by Jesus, by the wonderful, amazing grace of Jesus. We are an assembly of the saved. But if we are going to say that we are a group of saved people, then that requires that here in this place, we are a group of people that practice and teach the truth about what it takes to be saved by Jesus. How can a church be of Christ if its people have not been saved by Christ? And the Bible is clear about what that takes. Acts 2.38, the day that the church was established, the Bible says this, Peter said to them, repent and each of you be baptized in the name of Jesus Christ for the forgiveness of your sins and you will receive the gift of the Holy Spirit. That's followed up by this in verse 41. So then that day, those who had received his word were baptized and that day there were added about 3,000 souls. They were added to what? Well, they were added to the church of Christ. Verse 47, praising God and having favor with all the people. And the Lord was adding to their number day by day those who are being saved. Every church ought to be a church of Christ. And that means that every church ought to teach the truth about what it takes to be saved by Jesus. That's what it means. That's what it means to be a church that is of Christ. How can a church be of Christ if its people have not been saved by Christ? Let me say this secondly, that if you're going to say you're a church of Christ, that means you need to be a group of people who truly belong to Jesus. That's what the scriptures teach as well in several different places, like Ephesians 1 and verse 22, where he says, And he put all things in subjection under his feet and gave him as head over all things to the church. We see that again in Colossians 1 and verse 18. He is also head of the body, the church, and he is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead so that he himself will come to have first place in everything. A church that is of Christ is a church, is a group of people who truly belong to Christ. We understand how that works in a personal way, don't we? That, that is something that nobody has any confusion about. You understand that when you become a Christian, Jesus, he gets to control my life. He gets to take over. He gets to be king. He gets to have absolute power over the way that I live, right? Right? And so whenever he says something, I ought to listen. And that means if he has demands on me, I'm going to listen to those demands. If that means he wants to change my habits or take my time or demand my worship or change my marriage or adjust the way that I talk or where I go or even what I watch on TV, he gets to do that because he is king over me. We understand that in a personal way, that we belong to him. And so we submit to him. But that is also true in a collective way. As Paul writes in Ephesians and Colossians and in other places, Jesus is the head of the church. That means the church belongs to him. So understand that a church that is truly of Christ is a church that is submitted to Christ in every way. Churches of Christ are those churches that let Jesus reign. You know, something that we come to understand instinctually and intuitively is that when something belongs to somebody else, I don't really have the right to mess with it or tinker with it. We get that, don't we? 
And if there's some kind of sociopath out there who doesn't get that naturally, then pretty quick by the time you're three or four, like all your peers are helping you understand, you don't get to mess with other people's stuff. What would you do? Let's say that you invited me over to your house for lunch today, right? You graciously extended the invitation and you're going to let me come to your house for lunch. So I showed up, rang your doorbell, walked in, shook your hand, hugged your wife. And then the first thing I did, I walked right past you into your house. I went to your thermostat and I turned it all the way down to 62. What would you think of me? You'd you'd give me a thought. What would your wife think of me? How about that? you'd think I was absolutely nuts. This is my house. That's my thermostat. I am the only one who gets to mess with that thing. So it is true in God's house. The Bible actually uses that language in 1 Timothy chapter 3 and verse 15, where Paul's writing to Timothy, he says, but in case I am delayed, I write to you so that you will know how, to, how one ought to conduct himself in the household of God, which is the church of the living God the pillar in support of the truth. So understand that this church is God's house. We are God's household, which means we play by his rules and we let him reign. We don't adjust his thermostat. And that has implications for how we worship and what we teach and how we organize our leadership and the roles that men and women have in the church and even down to how we use our money. All of that is dictated by Christ because Christ is the head and this is his house. A church that is of Christ is a church that belongs to Christ and lets him reign. And let me say this finally. That a church that is of Christ is a group of people who are used for Christ. I think a lot of people in this world are full of misconceptions about what a church is and what the purpose of a church ought to be. There are some people who treat the church like some kind of entertainment venue. This is where I go on Sunday to be entertained, to hear a good lesson, maybe to hear some good motivational speaking that'll be really good self-help for my life. There are other people who look, at, who look at church like it's some kind of box you have to check, right? I've got to make sure I come here and sit in the pew for a certain amount of time so God doesn't get mad at me. There are a great deal of people that see church as just a religious club. We believe in Jesus hanging out together. And we do this every Sunday. The Bible makes it clear that Jesus' church is a group of people who have been called together for a purpose, with a mission in mind. Peter talks about that mission in 1 Peter 2 and verse 9. He says, but you are a chosen race, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, a people for God's own possession, so that you may proclaim the excellencies of him who has called you out of darkness into his marvelous light. You know what Peter says? He says, you, as God's church, as God's herd, as God's group, you have been called together, you've been assembled together out of darkness so that you might proclaim his excellencies to this world. Brothers and sisters, we are a group of people who have a mission to seek and save the lost. 
And might I add that that mission, that mission is part of the reason why Jesus gives us the rules that he gives us. Because all of this, all of these organizational details, all of these instructions for how we use our money and how we do all these different things, all of that is intended to help us accomplish that mission. Do you know why we have deacons? Do you know why that's part of the organizational structure? Because in Acts chapter 6, the Holy Spirit wanted to make sure that the elders were not burdened, that they could go out and they could pray and they could minister to the word, that they could spread the word and teach people about Jesus and that they wouldn't let things like making sure meals got to widows get in the way of what the mission of the church was. We're organized the way we are so that we can accomplish that mission. That's also why we worship on Sunday. One of the reasons why we take the Lord's Supper every single Sunday, according to 1 Corinthians 11 and verse 26, is so that we might proclaim to this world that we believe that Jesus is coming back. You proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. That's why we're organized the way we are, because we have a mission. Because we're focused on going out into this world, seeking and saving the lost. And as a church, we focus on that mission only because there could be no other important no other more important work in this world and it's worth mentioning brothers and sisters that if you look in the new testament you look in acts you look in the epistles you look in the gospels jesus has never wanted anything different from his church he has always called us always called us to be this kind of group, a group of people that have been saved by Christ, that are subject to Christ, and that are used by Christ to accomplish his soul-saving mission. That's what it means. That's what it means to be a church of Christ. I'm out of time, but very quickly, there are three things down here, three implications, three things that I hope you will understand and you will believe as a result of what we've talked about today. First of all, I hope that our discussion would help you realize that you should never be ashamed or embarrassed to say, I worship at a church of Christ. That is a high calling. It is exactly what we ought to be, a church that is of Christ. I hope you would never feel embarrassed. You would never feel ashamed to say that you worship at the Fairview Park Church of Christ. And I hope, brothers and sisters, that our study will help you realize that you should always choose to worship at a church of Christ. Now, don't get me wrong. I'm not saying that you always have to pick a building with the right name on the sign. Because you can pick some buildings with that name on the side that aren't that great. What that means is that you always choose to worship at a place that does what we talked about. A church that has been saved by Christ. A church that is subject to Christ. And a church that is used for the mission of Christ. I hope you always choose to worship at a church like that. And thirdly, I hope you will never think that just because you attach yourself to a church of Christ, that means it's an automatic ticket to heaven. A church is a group of saved people. And just because your name's on the picture board, just because you're, you're, you come here and sit in a pew every Sunday, it does not mean that just because you've adhered to this group of people that you've actually been saved. You've been saved when you've done what Jesus has called you to do. You've been baptized in water for the remission of your sins and you live your life for him. That's your ticket to heaven, not your name in a directory. That's what it means. That's what it means to be a part of a church of Christ. I don't believe I'm supposed to offer an invitation, but before we dismiss to our classes, can I just say a quick prayer? 
Dear Lord, our God, thank you so much for Jesus. Thank you for his death on the cross, which made it possible for your church, your group, your assembly to be saved from sin and death. We pray that as we gather together as local families, that we will focus on living our lives and conducting ourselves the way your son would have us be. Please help us all to truly be a church of Christ. In your son's name we pray and ask for your help. Amen.